Good stuff. I, I love getting into the Word. We're beginning a, a new series today. I, I, I kind of like new series. It, it's kind of hard to start, you know, kind of bridging them in, in the beginning, but uh, we'll kind of lay out some foundation today and, and get into that. But I was just kind of looking at, I had a lot of different conversations with different people, pastors, some of them, this week. But if you look at, at faith, if you look for faith, let's just put it that way, in the world today, what would you see? And I'm talking about in the world, because if you look, you're going to see that faith expressed in a number of different ways. But currently, you're probably going to see it expressed in strong beliefs, in, a, in their opinions about the protections of perhaps a, a vaccine, or strong beliefs in, in the protections of a, of a face mask or something like that. Things. But you know what? In a, in a free society, a truly free society, a person ought to have the freedom of, of choice to do either, right? But these are such hot topics. They're issues in our world today. Such issues that that's what people put their faith in. You're not going to hear on the world system news or, or um, any of the, the social media outlets about, hey, God. Look at what's happening here. Let's put our faith in God. It's just not happening. If you say too much, you'll get the little flag or whatever and check mark your, your facts, right? But in a free society, a person ought to be able to have, I mean, a true free society. We, we should understand freedom living in this great nation that we live in. But in a true society, a true free society, you ought to be able to have the choice to, to do either or, or both. We're just picking on those topics because they're obviously the hot topics right now. Or, or, hey, risk your life and do neither, right? I mean, I've done things in my life that were probably life-threatening. But I was free to make those choices, right? But for so many, faith is, is also, it's, it's in this establishment. It's in this government. I mean, how ridiculous. I mean, it's evident because they don't seem so uh, opposed to, to giving up so many liberties and freedoms. But you know what? We didn't get here. We've been talking about this. We didn't get here overnight. This just didn't happen all of a sudden. It was a little piece at a time. Little, little link of the chain removed. You know, first it was like the collar. Wow, 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 I got a collar on me. Well, it's not so bad. I can still go here and still do that. It's a little uncomfortable, but I can still do all the things I want. I haven't really lost any freedoms. I lost some liberty. And then comes the chain. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can still go pretty far. I can still go whatever. But what's happening and what will continue to happen is the link just keeps getting removed. And that chain just gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Until one day people find out, oh my goodness, I'm, I've lost some freedoms here. I mean, how, how ridiculous. How many promises made then broken? Replaced with a new promise. That's what this world system has. It's not dependable. There's nothing guaranteed. Not anybody's word. Just look, just, just take a second or two and just think about the liberties that we've lost in our society today, just over the last 18 months. I mean, two years ago, would you even imagine a shutdown, an entire country shut down? You'd be like, what, what would cause that? I mean, Jesus must have come back if that happened, right? I mean, can you imagine being refused service 
for not having a covering on your face. When just years before, there was controversy about uh, people of the, the Muslim faith wearing coverings over their face, right? And then now all of a sudden we're forced to? In some states, um, being refused service without proof of having been vaccinated with a, an experimental drug? You realize that just a year ago, drug companies paid people. They paid people to become uh, volunteers for human trials. And now they're mandated? Look what can change in just a year or two. You're not as free as you were two years ago in America. Oh boy, why is he talking so political about controversial things in church? It's because it's what we're faced with. And because the devil doesn't want us talking about these things. Do you realize if there, we didn't even have a constitution? I mean, it's, it's being pummeled right now. But do you just imagine a society without the constitution that we have. Do you think we'd be free to be in church here today? They don't care about church. Governments don't care about us meeting together. together. They don't care about our freedom to talk about these kind of things. Seriously, just look at what you've seen in the last year and a half. If we didn't have a constitution, do you think we'd have what we have? We would not. I want to thank you guys for joining us today in this um, wonderful day, in a new series. We appreciate everybody tuning in. I know we don't like to talk about these things, but our government doesn't like us talking about them either. Matter of, matter of fact, I mean, our elected officials, the people that we've elected, whether you voted for them or not, we the people, we've elected them, if they had their way, they would just do away with elections altogether. Why bother with those? If we know what, what you need before you know what you need. But doesn't our U.S. Constitution, the one that we still have, doesn't that afford the American people certain rights as citizens? Well, why were so many of those rights given up so freely? So easily? Well, some might say, well, because of the pandemic. Has everything that we've been given up been directly related to the pandemic? No. Well, we didn't have a choice. I would argue you always have a choice. Wherever you're at in life, whatever country you live in, whatever state, whatever society, you always have a choice. What liberties do you suppose the spiritual church has given up so easily over the last 18 months? It's been a lot. So we're beginning this new series, Welcome to Faith Church and Listening Online. It's called We His People. Sure, it's a little corny play on words or whatever, but it'll kind of get us thinking, and it is relevant in our current culture right now. We're going to lay down this groundwork today, and the Holy Spirit is going to remind us, because we need reminding all the time, of some of the truths that we've kind of forgotten, and maybe teach us some new truths, some new revelation. Amen? You know, it does not matter whatever generation that uh, you were born in, whatever society or culture that you may live in, as a born-again believer, as a child of God, you always have a choice. You are never without options. It's a lie to believe anything else. And guess what? As a child of God, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, these choices, these options that we have, they change cultures. They change governments. 
Because it's the power of God that changes the hearts of men. And you and I must be reminded that we have rights. You have rights as a child of God. Don't give them up so easily. Don't just say, well, I guess whatever's going to happen, God's in control. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's, that's not true. If that was the case, then you would have to blame everything on God. And none of those things, I can't find them in the Bible, that God would do the things that we're seeing. He gives us power to, to do just the opposite. So remember that we bring the kingdom. We bring the kingdom of heaven that changes things, changes culture, changes the hearts of man. And understand this, that man, governments, societies, peoples, cannot change what is unchangeable. And God is unchangeable. Last week we were talking about the right that we have as children of God, as citizens. The right that we have to enter into the Holy of Holies. To enter into His, His presence. Because of Jesus. Who made us righteous. We don't, we don't have to come to, to Him like Moses did back in His day. Remember under the Old Covenant that um, before Christ the people. They had to be basically warned not to come too close to God. There's limits. Don't touch the mountain or you'll die. Don't come past the, the big... 60 foot tall, 4 inch thick, 30 foot wide, veil, or you'll die. You, you couldn't just go to God. He had to be warned not to. It sounds kind of crazy, but God was is so holy, and without the covering, the, the bloodshed of Christ, you, you cannot survive. God had to, to mask or make subtle ways that you could even get even close. You can't look into the face of God without Christ. But we have a better covenant. Because of Christ, we're no longer under the law. We've been made free, cleansed by the blood of Christ, the, the, who is the expressed image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, it says in 1 Colossians. See, he's the life giver. We have been given the life giver. Is, is it possible for you guys to pull up 1 Colossians on the fly? Maybe uh, verse 15 through 18. But Romans 8, 29 says that he's the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He's the, the seed. And, and we, have, we have this citizenship. We have these rights because of what Jesus did. But there is one who's trying to take away those rights from the Life giver, the firstborn of all creation. Do we have that? Um, first Col or Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. We'll come back to that. But God calls us his children. That's not actually the Constitution, that's some like God stuff back there. I know it looks pretty clever. Looks good. Read some of that stuff. We have a will of rights. Our Constitution gives us a bill of rights, but we have a will of rights. Colossians, chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers. Next verse. 
rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, <laughs> firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. I mean, that, that kind of says it right there. That's, that's where we come from. That's our heritage. That is our link to our citizenship in heaven. That is how we are children of God. It's through Christ Jesus. There's, there's been no limitations there. We're his children. In uh, just a reference, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23 from last week. It says, as members of the church of the firstborn, all of our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven. And we have come before God who judges all and who lives among the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect in his eyes. So we are citizens of the kingdom of God and we have rights, right? If you're a citizen of the United States, you have rights, right? They're being infringed upon. Our very own constitution, our piece of paper that tells us these rights, these Bill of Rights, these articles, and these amendments are being infringed upon. Why? Nobody wants that. Somebody does. Why are they being infringed upon? Because people are allowing it. Well, why are they allowing it? 1 John chapter 1 says that we have been given eternal life by the life giver. But we were made to enjoy it together. And we have got an enemy that's been trying to keep us apart. Been using the, the guise, the smoke screen of the things that go on in this, this world. Right now it's this, this virus, this pandemic. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying that the response to it has, has not been um, truthful or correct. But we've been given this eternal life in Christ Jesus, the firstborn among the many brothers and sisters. We've been given this for us to enjoy together. He is the life giver. What life did he give us? What are your rights as a citizen of heaven? If you know so many people in this country, they still know their rights as citizens of, of the United States because of our Constitution. Maybe some people have been more interested in it of late. Like, wow, I didn't know that said that because they feel like I'm losing some liberties or um, some freedoms here. Well, what about as a citizen of heaven? Do you know your rights? Would it bother you if some of those rights were being infringed upon? Well, they are every single day by the devil, your adversary, who's trying to steal from you. Why would we give those up so freely? Doesn't make any sense. We're supposed to be enjoying this life that we've been given, and we're supposed to be enjoying it together. But as we were studying in the previous series, we've been trying to keep us apart. Anyway, it goes on to say, First John, that they're letting us know these things so that we can understand the fullness of joy. So understand that your rights as a citizen of heaven as a child of God, you have the right to the fullness of joy. Wow, that sounds pretty good. I'm not sure I'm experiencing that all the time. Why not? It's your right. We're going to go over a lot of these things in this series. 
But basically, that means that we don't have to put up with, with anything. If you understand your citizenship in heaven, you don't have to put up with anything. I don't care what it is. If there's something that you're, not, you're seeing that you're not liking, if it goes against Scripture, if God didn't put it on you or, or give it to you, and you don't, you don't have to put up with it, if you are, then you're being stolen from. If you're not enjoying all of your rights, then someone is stealing what is already yours because rights are yours. But we have what is greater than any piece of paper constitution. We have a covenant sealed by the blood of Christ. There's been nothing withheld from us. See, we've, we've got to get this because it's valuable. Freedom is valuable. The freedoms that we still enjoy in this nation are valuable. People paid for them. People lost their lives for them. They're, they should be valuable. If it's not valuable, you won't fight for them. You won't defend them. You don't defend for something that's, that's not valuable. Right? If I told you that some, some dog walker left a little uh, pile of something in a baggie out by the road, it's all yours, it's free, I don't think you would even defend that. Right? It's not valuable. I don't want that. But if I told you you had a, 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 a bag of, of money out there and it's all yours, million dollars, you might wrestle for it. It has value. Freedom has value. And the things that God has given us, the freedom that God has given us, it has great value. It supersedes anything in this world. And if, if you believed in Jesus and the work that he completed at the cross, then you have to understand that, that you've been made perfect in his eyes. It is a lie that you're not. And that's what the enemy wants to try to do with you, try to steal from you, try to convince you that you're anything less than a child of God and that you don't have the rights that this book says that you do. If he can convince you of that, then you can't live in those things. So it's important that you understand what the fullness means, what the fullness of joy means, what the fullness of life means, what the fullness of, of walking in your rights means, because anything less, if you don't have understanding, anything less or if you don't understand who you are, you see yourself as anything less, then guess what? You will accept less. If you don't see yourself as worthy, as a child of God, as, as acceptable, and then you'll accept less. But I don't know about you. I want to find out what this, this book says about my rights. I want to know every single one of them because they're valuable, and I want to defend them. And I'm not going to give them up so easily. I'm not going to allow them to be taken away so easily. Why should you ever live less than your privilege? There's no reason to. Why should you believe as a child of God that you must somehow add to the, to the work that Jesus did? Well, in order for me to enjoy all my rights, then I've got to do this, 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 and that. It doesn't say that in the Bible. 
Well, you've got to somehow add to what Jesus did? I think that's rather insulting. Jesus, you didn't do enough. In order for me to live out what this book says, in order for me to receive and enjoy the life that, that your word says that you've given me, God, I, I've got to do something and help Jesus out. Now, where does that make sense? You don't need to help Jesus out. But the good Lord helps those who help themselves, right? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. You can't help yourselves. We can't help ourselves. That's why Jesus came. See, that's a, that's a devil-developed lie just to get you to fail. And, and sadly, many of the world... You ever heard, heard that scripture quoted? Out of Hezekiah 6.8? You ever heard that one? There is no Hezekiah 6.8, by the way. But people say that. Well, it can't be just free i got to do something for it. I, I'll, I'll help God out, and then He'll help me out. You can't help God out. Does it need your help? We need His help. You have an, an eternal life, a legal citizenship in heaven, the Bible says. All kingdom rights have been restored to you in Christ Jesus. Doesn't it make sense to find out what those are? I mean, this is good stuff. If you don't know what they are, how do you know what to defend them? How do you know if they've been stolen from you? Devil's been stealing from people for thousands of years stuff that they didn't even know that was theirs. They're trying to get stuff, get these things, and they already had it. The devil's just stealing it away, taking it away. Jesus told us that all power and authority has been given to you. He said, here's the keys of the kingdom. That's what he said. Whatever you bind on earth, it'll be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, it'll be loosed in heaven. Then why are we seeing what we don't want to see? And why are we not seeing what we do want to see? I mean, if God's word is true, it is true. All of it. It can't be partially true. Then why aren't we seeing what we want to see? And why do we keep on seeing the things that we don't want to see? because you have this adversary. His name is Satan. He's the devil. He doesn't want you to know what your rights are. Much, much like anybody who wants to abuse power to control you with fear, they don't want you to know your rights. That's what bullies do, right? And, and if they can just get you to, to believe, no, you don't, no, you don't have a right to, you can't go in there, you can't do this, you can't do that, Oh, well, they said it forceful enough. It must be true. That's what the devil's doing to you. Oh, you can't, dude. You can't. You're not that kind of Christian. You don't have those kind of rights. You've got to work hard to get that kind of stuff. Whatever works, that's what he'll tell you. Why? Because he's a liar. He's the deceiver. He's the father of all lies. He speaks his native tongue. He can't do anything but lie. Doesn't want you to know what you've been given. Doesn't want you to know the power that you already have. What power? How come I, where is it? I keep looking for it. It's just not there. You don't manufacture it. It's given to you. Well, well, I need it. How do I get it? How do I use it? Are you a child of God? Yeah, yeah. Are you saved? You saved by the blood of Christ? Yeah, yeah. You already have it. Huh? where is it? Well, show me your salvation card, and on the back of it, I'll show you specifically where it says all this stuff. It's proof right there. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't have a salvation card. 
Right. Because it's not in a card. It's by faith. It's by God's grace, by His mercy, through faith. The moment you step out of faith and believing, you're not saved. Well, I want to stay saved all the time. Right, that's pretty easy because you believe that. The other stuff works the same way. Doesn't Any of the things of God, any of the promises, baptism, Holy Spirit, it's faith. Power, authority, faith. It all works the same way. God's word is his faith. We've been studying this. This is how you walk in these things. Why well, do you just need some strength? I'm having a struggle here and there. Guess where you're strong? In your spirit, man. Been renewed by his spirit. Satan was powerless against Jesus, right? He was powerless. When Jesus was here, he humbled himself. When he was here healing, raising the, the dead, casting out demons, there was nothing Satan could do. Satan was just around just then as he is now. He was powerless against Christ, against the Son of God. Right? Amen? Amen? Well, guess what? He's powerless against you, child of God. Just as powerless. If you believe anything else, then you have bought into the lie, and he has stolen from you. You've been led astray, and you are not walking in the things that God has given you because you have believed a lie. John uh, chapter 10, 10 says that the thief only comes to steal and to kill and destroy Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and you may have it in the full, or that you may have it in abundance. What does abundance mean? It just simply means more than enough, more than adequate. For example, if you, uh, if you have an abundant supply of, of water, then, then you are well supplied without fear of running out of water. But abundance also means living life without encumbrance and without limit. And it most certainly includes freedom. That is abundant life. You can't have abundant life without freedom. They go hand in hand. The Greek word for, for life in uh, John chapter 10, 10 here, that word there, life, it is uh, zoe. That is the, the word zoe. And that means not like life, like breathing kind of life, physical kind of life, natural kind of life, like, it, like you or I breathe or an animal or something like that breathes. breathes. It means life in the fullness, in the absolute fullness as God understands and lives life. It is the Zoe life. It is the God-intended life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have the Zoe in abundance. I've come that you may have life the way that my Father. You've seen me, you see the Father. He wants us to have the life that he originally intended for you. That's, that's what Jesus came to restore. Ever since Genesis chapter 1... We, we know this, and, and we know that uh, the Bible says, let us make man in our image. Our, plural. Jesus was there at the beginning. And both male and female, he did make them. We are made in the image of God. Right? 
We're made in His, His likeness. Then if that's true, then the life that He intended for us when He made us was also in His image. So we were created in His image, our form and, and our character and things like that, in His image. But that wasn't like so separate, like, yeah, but then they got to make it in this horrible world. No, the life that He breathed into us, what He gave us, was His life. The God kind of life, the Zoe kind of life, without encumbrance and freely enjoying the fullness of and loving and sharing. So then the, the Zoe kind of life must be in the same manner that our created selves were, were made. That's, that's the, the, the life that he's talking about here in, uh, in chapter 10. So the, the Zoe kind of life is it, not to teach us that... Um, it's not to teach you like less than a kind of life that you have in the world or like you have to earn it. It's like what you have is less than and if you do all things right then you can enjoy and earn this kind of life. It's something as a citizen of heaven, as a child of God, that you've been given. Well, I don't think that I'm living in that kind of life. Imagine what life was like before sin. Free, without encumbrances, with any limitations. Not, they didn't even know they were naked. There was no sin. Jeremiah 29, 11 kind of lets us know that God was not trying to give us this life to teach us a lesson so that we could earn or somehow get to achieve the Zoe kind of life or maybe one day in heaven we can have that kind of life. It is for now. We know that because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans are prospering, not to give you harm. So we know that, that anything that you're going through in this life, if it's struggle or if it's troubling or if it's hard, it didn't come from God. It's not part of His plan. His original plan was to give you, not only breathe into you, but give you the life that He intended for you. That's what Jesus came to restore. You know, you can look at the word imagine and you see the word image in there. Image comes out of the word imagine. So think of it this way. God imagined us to be like Him. We were created in His image. He imagined us to be like Him when He created us. And He imagined us to have life like Him. God never imagined bad life for you or I. Right? That was, that was never part of it. He never imagined, uh, well, you're going to have to struggle, but I'm with you through the struggle. He never imagined that for you. He so loved us that He died for us. I mean, God's own Son humbled Himself, became man, died on the cross to restore us back to what we lost. We're discovering what we lost. We're discovering our rights to what we lost. Our rights to not how to go get or somehow do something so that you can go get what was lost. We're understanding our rights to what we lost today that we already have. That the enemy's been trying to steal from us. Anyone who's not in Christ does not have the Zoe kind of life, the God kind of life. They're already destined for death. You know, it's not that, that God created hell to, to put all the bad people in. God did everything to keep people out. He's trying to give people life. It's, it's the devil that's trying to keep people in death. 
We lost life, and Jesus is the one who restored it. But we're also restored back to this life. And we have rights as citizens. And we have this right to this abundant life that the enemy is so trying to destroy and so trying to rip apart and so trying to deceive you out of. Because the more of this abundant life that you walk in, that you live in, that you understand your rights, the more powerful you are. That's why Jesus was so powerful. What limitations did Jesus have when he was here? None. Devil couldn't stop him no matter what he did. Jesus had free reign to do whatever he wanted to do. He willingly went to the cross. They didn't kill him. He willingly laid his life down. Who is the thief? Well, that's the devil. No, the thief is any, any messenger or any word or any ideal or idea that is trying to take away from you, that is destroyed uh, or would kill from you or take from you any part of the God kind of life that God imagined for you. The false message are the lies that keep you from enjoying the Zoe kind of life, that keep you from living anything in the fullness of your rights as a citizen, as a child of God. You know, one of the lies is that this kind of life we're talking about, all the goodness is only in the sweet by and by. That, that this life that we're talking about, that God kind of life, only exists in heaven. That, that's a lie. And that lie works on so, so many. And it, it keeps, you, keeps you repressed. It keeps you down. It keeps you not living in, walking in everything that God has for you. The truth is that the God kind of abundant living is for every single born-again believer. It's for everybody. That's, that was God's intention. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He predestined it. He predetermined that these things were for you. Everyone. But you just have to walk in. You have to choose it. The only qualifier is believing and repenting. Sadly, we have much of the church in the world today that, that just wants all the goods and no repentance. They want the gospel without repentance. They continue in sin. Jesus said in, in, chapter, in John chapter 5, verse 24, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. That's in the present tense. Whoever believes in the then the, the one in him who has sent me has, for God so loved the world, that whoever believes, right? That's in the present tense. Has already. And will not be judged, but has crossed over, present tense, from death to life. That's what John chapter 5, 24 says. Whoever. That's the qualifier. That's it. See, you give up your rights as a child of God any time that you allow the enemy to lead you astray. Could be a moment, could be an hour, could be a week. You stay there however long you want. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Go down to verse 7. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. 
Now, the thief, the thief doesn't have to look like the thief to lead you astray. You know, we, we think that, well, uh, I won't be fooled. That won't happen to me. Remember last week, you know, Peter's like, oh, not me. Jesus is like, are you kidding me? You'll crumble first. Three times. And it's just a matter of hours. You know, we want to be all tough and want to say, I know this stuff. That's not going to happen to me. But the devil doesn't, he doesn't wear horns. He doesn't say, I'm the devil. I'm here to steal from you. Are you ready? Give me some time to go put on your armor. Here I come. It's not like that. The, the thief doesn't tell you that they're the thief. They don't, they don't come when you're home, do they? Although they're getting more brazen these days, but they don't do that. They come when you're not there. They don't want to announce themselves. Satan is usually not obvious. Anything or anyone, any reason that might lead you astray or away from living the God kind of life he intended, that's stealing. It doesn't have to be this demonic, satanic thing that's so obvious. Anything that steals from you or anything that leads you astray from what we're talking about, from the God kind of life, your rights as a citizen of the kingdom, is a thief. It doesn't have to be a person. It doesn't have to be or look like the devil himself. Whatever might keep you out of church is a thief. Whatever might keep you out of the word is a thief. Whatever divides neighbor against neighbor is a thief. Whatever goes against the God kind of intended life for you is a thief. It's stealing from your Zoe life. It could be condemnation. Oh, you call yourself a Christian. <laughs> Look how many times you fail. How do you even call yourself a Christian? Look at so-and-so over there. You think they do those kind of things? Think those kind of things? Say those kind of things? Condemnation steals from you. Emotions, feelings of guilt, all of those things. If you sin, just don't stay there. It's not like, well, I blew it. That's it. Got to wait till Jesus comes back to save me. No, just don't stay there. Right? Just repent. Get on with it, right? Get right with God. It's easy. Our salvation, it's not based on how well we don't sin. If that was the case, then, then some would be more saved than others, and that's ridiculous. Our salvation is based on the sinlessness in Christ Jesus. Our citizenship is based on the righteousness in Christ Jesus, not our own. If Jesus is your Savior, then you're a child of God. It's, it's, it's that simple. If Jesus is your Savior, if you repented, you've been forgiven. If He's your Savior, you're a child of God. And if you're a child of God, then you have rights and benefits. When? Today. Now. Every day. But you have to walk in this life in order to enjoy this life. You, you've been given this life in Jesus, in Christ. This life, it's in Him. It's not in the one you left behind. The old life, the old man, that's dead, 2 Corinthians says. You live in the new. That's why we're always teaching in here, walk in the Spirit. Because that's where you're saved. Don't walk after the things that the old man, don't, don't get trapped into, into reacting and, and uh, dealing with the, the, the ways of this world and this world system. Your citizenship is not in this world. This world's destined for death. 
That's not where your citizenship is. This world's not your home. Let's continue on verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. I'm going to read that again because I just know there's a few people in the room just said, what? Am I okay? No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Still confident? Still with me? Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. <clears throat> See, the abundant God kind of life, the Zoe kind of life, that doesn't include sin. And if you sin, you're not born of God. Anybody here sin recently? Don't raise your hand. Because you all would. So, so how can this be? You're not saved in the flesh. You're not saved in your mind. You didn't get to God by mental assent. We're saved by the blood of Christ creating a new man. We're born again spiritually. That's why we got to walk in the Spirit. And if you walk in the Spirit, you can't sin. Because that's where you're born of God. That's where you have your citizenship. That's where you have your rights. When you're walking in your faith, that's how we're saved, right? We just said earlier. When you're walking in your salvation, in your rights as a child of God, you can't sin. That, that should help you know when you, you're kind of walking after the flesh or in, or in your soul, man. Walk in the Spirit. Never, never, we, we have the right. We don't have to approach Him like Moses. We don't have to like, oh, I better get all holy. better get ready to go to church. Once I go to church, then I can meet with God. No, that's a lie. It, it's a lie to believe that your citizenship is in your, your own flesh or in the works that you do. Or going to church or, or whatever else. It is in Christ Jesus alone. And when you walk in the Spirit and you understand those things, that's where you have the power. That's where all of your rights can be exercised. And the devil, he cannot touch you, not one bit. And guess what? You can't sin. It's impossible to sin if you're walking in the Spirit. Quick little test. How you know that? Like if you're praying, you're, you're praying for someone, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to think bad things about them and pray for them at the same time. If you're going before God and you're praying for somebody and maybe you know they've struggled or you know whatever and you're praying for them, you can't think bad things about them and pray for them and bless them at the same time. You just can't do it. So when you're walking in the Spirit, 1 John 3.9 here, you can't sin. Well, I don't want to sin. Walk in the Spirit then. Because a, a moment outside of the Spirit is a moment in the flesh. And a moment in the flesh is absent of the Spirit. See, the abundant God kind of life that that we have been given does not include sin. It, it cannot. He's a life giver. Sin leads to death. So it, it can. You, you always have a choice though. We always have a choice. It's a lie to believe that you don't have a choice or that you're ultimately going to fail. That's just a flat out lie. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13 says that no temptation has ever overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, 
He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. No temptation has overtaken you except what is that is uh, common to mankind. That's basically saying you're not special. You know, you're, you're not faced in anything that anybody else has ever faced. God didn't put it on you. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying that, that God put this temptation on you to try to get you to figure it out. He's saying it's going to happen. And you're not so special. It's happened to others before. Nobody understands what I'm dealing with. This is so hard. I know it's hard. But you're not that unique. And he's saying that if you look, if you get right back and walk in the Spirit, and you understand your rights as a child of God, and you understand all power and all authority has been given you, man, you can just walk right past it. And, oh, there's my escape. I'm done. I'm out of here. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that includes not sinning. Now, I'd be foolish to say, well, I never sin and never will sin. But I'm telling you, by the grace of God, which is His power, you do not have to sin. It's, it's a belief to say, well, we're all going to sin, I'm going to sin. If you walk in the Spirit, it's impossible to sin. We just proved that right there. Your rights include the strengthening that you need wherever you're weak. And you're not weak in your spirit, man. You're weak in your flesh. You're weak in your mind and thinking. In your soul, your understanding. That's why it's so important to walk and understand your rights and understand your citizenship and where that resides. It's not in this world system. It's in Christ. It's in Christ alone. And Satan would like you to believe that, that you're never going to get past whatever it is that keeps you, that you, keeps you in that spin cycle over and over and over again. And the reason he wants to keep you there or keep lying to you is, is simply because he has no power otherwise. He has no more power over you than he did over Jesus. Jesus did whatever he wanted without limits. He's just trying to keep you from the things of God. He's trying to keep you wrapped up in your flesh, in your mind, and out of the spirit realm so that you can continue on struggling with this thing. I'm going to say this. If you're not enjoying eternal life today, if you're not enjoying the eternal life, the Zoe kind of life today, everything that we've been talking about, it's, it's simply because that you have believed some lie somewhere in your life. Otherwise, the stuff we're saying would not be true. Because nowhere in Scripture do we see the limits to our access to the kingdom of God. Nowhere do we see the limits to His power and authority that we've been granted us through our faith in Christ Jesus. Nowhere. If there were, then Jesus would not have been able to make the promises that He did and give us the commands that He has given us. He said that we would do greater than what He did. The thief... And that is whatever message, whatever method, whatever emotion, whatever it is, devil himself, whatever it is to have you believe that your situation might be unique and no one understands you, he's just trying to isolate you so that he can steal from you. Keep you from what your citizenship and what your rights are available to you. Now, temptations, they're often subtle. They're never, they're never obvious, but... Temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted, but he did not sin. Temptations are that thing that comes to you and comes to you and tries to get you to dwell on it and think about it. Once you start dwelling on it, you start committing thoughts to it, you're, you're on your way. 
But as soon as that thought, no one sins without having thinking about it first. No one just like accidentally sins, right? You thought about it. Maybe it kind of comes on you in a bit of anger, a bit of anger or whatever. But don't dwell on it. Don't think about it. Cast down those imaginations. Get jump right back into the spirit. Go before the throne room. You cannot go before the throne room and think evil thoughts. You just can't do it. The enemy will try to, but keep resisting, keep resisting, submit yourselves to God, and, and you won't be able to. And you'll be right where you need to be, and then you'll start seeing very clearly the rights that you have. But sometimes temptation, sometimes these, these liars, these thieves, are not sin. They're not obvious. Like, for example, it's not a sin to not read your Bible every morning. Maybe it's not wise, but it's not a sin. It's not a sin to, to sleep in on the day of rest and not go to church. Subtle. It doesn't have to be a sin to lead you astray. It doesn't have to be a sin to keep you away from your understanding your rights. It just has to sound good. Look good. At least enough to take your attention away from Jesus. That's all it has to do. You don't, you don't have to be a Satan worshiper to be ineffective in the kingdom of God. I mean, Satan worshipers are not very effective in the kingdom of God, right? But you don't have to be a Satan worshiper to be ineffective. You can just sit in a chair. You can just say, okay, I'm never going to be, I can't, whatever. These things don't apply to me. Maybe one day, maybe the sweet by and by. You can be just as ineffective. Jesus was tempted in every way. All those same thoughts that I just said but he never sinned. But he understands what we're going through. Hebrews chapter 4, we'll close it up here, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Every way. You're not that special. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, the very thing that, that the devil tries to get you to do, oh, you messed up, you blew it, whatever, you're thinking those things, you're back in the spin cycle, whatever. The very thing he's trying to get you to do is, is not go and understand your rights. He wants you to think like Moses. Oh, you got a lot of cleaning up to do before you can even pray. And you've been at lunch or dinner and somebody says, hey, would you... Would you pray over the meal? Oh, not me. Let somebody else do it. I'm not worthy. That's what the devil wants you to think. But it says here, man, we just got to go to the throne room of grace. We can take care of business like that. And all of our rights are there, restored power and authority, and he has nothing he can do to you. We got to let the Holy Spirit minister to us. We have rights. We don't want to approach things the way the world approaches things. Don't let the enemy shame you. Tell you you're not worthy. Guilt. He's trying to keep you from the remedy. We have confidence, it says, that we can approach the throne room of grace. We can repent. We can find our help. And blast the devil out of the scene. And think about this. Romans 5.8 says that, that while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his own love for you. That Jesus died for you. You didn't get it together first. So how much more then, as a child of God, who has been given the Zoe that God imagined life intended for you, with rights of citizenship of heaven, how much more? 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You are not lowly. You are worthy to be in His presence. You're worthy. The rights you have as a child of God are, are spiritual and they are far greater than, greater than anything this world system could ever offer or any temptation that would come against you. When Jesus sent out the twelve, he told them, All power and authority have I given you. Now go and do these things. Heal the sick. Go raise the dead. Go cast out demons. And he said, Do this freely. He says, Freely you have received. Freely give. My friends, we are so free, we're giving the stuff away. We've got so many rights and such boldness and such things that we've been given in our citizenship. Man, we ought to, we're just freely giving it away. Because we don't have any fear of running out. Because there's nothing, there's no encumbrances, there's no limits to this life that we've been given. Freedom is full of options, right? It's not full of fear. Don't let anyone lead you astray. Don't let anything deceive you from your freedom, from any of your options. You have rights as a citizen of heaven. And the devil's been trying to take away these liberties little by little and get you to thinking that you don't have a choice. You always have a choice. And you need to know your rights. Just like it's, it's important to, to know your, your rights in, as far as our own constitution and in this country, you need to know your rights as a citizen, as a child of God. I'm not saying you've got to, you know, be a rebel like me and wear white after Labor Day. But you need to understand who you are. And you may have to be a little defiant. But understand, you have been given rights. And we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not what I'm talking about here. And we've seen some very disturbing things in the last 18 months. This is spiritual, folks. You know, if there's something in this world that doesn't look good or sound good or, or, or feel abundant, doesn't feel like what we're talking about, chances are it's not part of the covenant. Right? Now, if there's something like, man, I don't like what's happening. I don't like what I'm seeing. I just, ugh, I just don't feel like I'm, I don't know, I'm in this funk or whatever. That's not part of the covenant. Because the covenant promise that Jesus came to restore is to you. And we, his people, have been given far greater than any written document constitution backed by a bunch of failed words from men. We have been given a better covenant, and that covenant is in Christ. It has been bought and paid for himself with his own blood. And in this covenant, we, his people, We've been given a will of rights, and that's what we're discovering in this series. Amen? Let's all stand.